Welcome to Bonehead Weekly. This week, we're talking about a topic that I picked because, quite frankly, I'm quite well, but I've had spent a lot of time in the last few days in one hospitals and hospital movies. Now, I kind of wished we hadn't picked this topic because there's not a ton of them that I love as much as I thought I would, but there are a ton of hospital movies. Man, and that's, you imagine how many weeks we could spend just talking about hospital shows on TV? Oh my God, yeah. Oh, how medical they all shows, are the same, yeah. How they all are the exact same thing? No, there's one that's different. Which one? What? Quincy. They're dead already. <laughs> yeah. That's the best one. He don't have to put back with none of that patient I, back talk. I liked House a lot. I, I know it's hard. I know. I liked House too, even though it was, even though other than him, the, the plots and everything were just ridiculous. I was hoping. Old... Uh, I was hoping that it was always lupus. They lied. Yeah. It was always lupus. It, every episode was, was lupus. lupus. We need to find it that. It was never lupus, but no, every it always episode. was. They just didn't want to get the anger of the American Lupus Association. Hmm. Not to be Has confused there, with other ALA. That says it's not lupus. It's I'm never sure, lupus. Because that's so. one thing I thought I've always wanted to to try to buy. It's over now. The show's been forgotten. But I swear to God, if I pre- if I create a shirt that said it's never lupus, I would at least get some kind of marketing. Or some kind of market for people wanting to buy that shirt. Words, wisdom. Did it? Talk. Is it where you cut your forehead? There, you yeah. Know. I lost a lot. I've lost Boy, a lot. That's a people. that's a nasty looking gash. Jay. All I can say is you can't see. The, you can't. There's a bigger gash in the back. Bled that's for, what she it, said. Bled for three days. That's what I'm just going to said. Keep, yep. <laughs> Anything bleeds that long doesn't die. I don't trust it. <laughs> Thanks, Mister Garrison. Mm-hmm. But by the way, do you hate? You know, this yes. is one thing that, that bothers me about hospital movies and TV shows is the fact that the over-dramatization of what it's like to actually be in that fucking environment. Yeah, it's not overly exciting. Although, I have spent a lot of time recently in the ARH, and I'm not joking. I have now heard four cold blues, and two of them was when I was in the emergency room with, with, with the person yeah. I'm talking about. And... um when the nurses come in and I said, I was told because I'm trying to make conversation with another human being. I was told that cold blue doesn't necessarily mean what TVs and television shows and whatnot. Well, that and that's a lot of the shit that Hold happens. In... And she looks at me and goes, I don't know who told you that. No, it totally means what you think it means. <laughs> One didn't make it. Yeah. And then starts to tell me about. When you're doing CPR, see, guys, you end up breaking, you know, the chest and all yeah. the ribs. Yeah. And, and she goes, it's so much harder to do it on a real person. It wears you out. That dummy's a lot easier. She went into detail. No, I literally had somebody tell me, if you don't crack a rib, you haven't done it hard enough to save their lives. That's I don't know the validity of that, but I had somebody that has training, and I won't say who it was. I'd heard that before, me. too, but I'm just saying... When I asked, so cold blue doesn't mean what it used to mean. She said, I don't know who told you that. Totally means what it means. Uh, I just I just want one hospital movie or TV show to tackle the subject of why does this hospital room or why does this why do they have no comfortable furniture in a hospital room? All the chairs and all the beds always suck. There's never anything comfortable about being in a hospital room. But every time you watch them on TV shows or movies, they might as well be at home laying in their their beds. We're sitting on a giant sofa. Hopefully, I'd agree with you. I'll tell you a reason why I'll argue with you after the show. Okay. I, by the way, though, I do have but to most say. Most of the time, Chad, you're right. The, the furniture just sucks. But in movies, you it, it looks like it came right out of Lazy Boy. I never paid attention. That's one of the things that pisses me off about movies in college. Fred Decker is the only human being I know who got that right from the, the actual dorm room in 
I thought he shot it on site, and then he assured me, no, it's modeled straight. It looks just like his dorm room when he. Oh yeah, the yeah the whole large dorm room thing. Uh, that still pisses me off. Oh. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do a whole episode on on the just the logistics and how these large rooms and this nothing like that's in reality. No, yeah, because I mean, I kind of had the idea that that's when I went to college, that that's where the dorm room was going oh, to be. Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps is a movie I'm talking about, written and directed by Fred Decker, the yeah. only movie I've ever seen that had an actual dorm room. That looked yeah. like a dorm room. I really did. I thought I thought they might be. I didn't think they would be exactly like that because I know movies are bullshit. <laughs> you know. No, you didn't. But what? I thought it, and I'm like, wait, this is a goddamn prison cell. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, by the way, back to our topic of women. I do have to say, I hate hospitals. I hate oh, the aesthetic of hospitals. I hate the smell of a hospital. All three of us have that I hate, literally, there's very few places I, because my entire thing is, is, is it works in my head. And, and usually when I'm in a hospital, I'm by myself. And I talk to myself, which is dumb because I'm stupid and I, I'm, I make myself angry. And so I sit there and I have things like, oh, you know, they're like, we'll sit here until we call you back. And I sit there and I'm like, I wonder how many people have sat here and then died. Like they go back and oh, they didn't make it. Like, what's the death count of the chair I'm sitting in right now? These are the conversations I have with myself as I sit there in the, just the waiting room. Like, how many people were like, oh, I'm waiting for my procedure, outpatient, whatever. And then it goes back. And then I'm like, you know, I, I think they should, just out of fairness to people like me who have neurotic minds, they should have a death toll above each chair so you could know, you know, how many spirits you're sitting on or whatever. But I no, there's nothing about a hospital that I enjoy, even when it's nothing wrong. Like, I just, they up my anxiety to a level that's completely and utterly unnecessary. I will say this, the one that we're close, the one that we uh, were close to in, in our town, uh, the cafeteria has some pretty decent food. It's really? got that going for it. I can get a really awesome sandwich in that cafeteria. And UK? Yeah. Well, UK, actually, you can order off of the thing, and I've been, and I've been in the hospital in Hazard with a family member, and and. You can't do that. Like if you're actually at UK, they'll let you order from a menu. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do that at the ARH. So, yeah. No, but, but yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm good. Oh, I insist. No, I got. Well, I forgot my point now. Well, no. Well, the, the, you didn't the have enti- one. The entire thing about ever? it is, though, is why is it that a place that should at least have some way to convey comfort fails on... Is it because we have been so i don't trained Here's but i've never I, I i was told once when i was really young by by an emt that listen if anything ever happens and, and you have to ride in a hospital or in an ambulance as soon as you get in the ambulance you'll calm down because it's such a, a such a, an effective environment and i even at like age seven i was like nope no that's in, invalid there is nothing about this environment that makes me feel good no, I would no, yeah, no, I was in one. I didn't feel good about it. So the other and and by the way, they're 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 not cool. Neither of the three of us ever had any delusions of working in healthcare. Neither the three of us never wanted to do that. I mean, we meet in our careers these people who want to be doctors and nurses and whatnot, and we always why. I never understand why. You're always dealing with people on their worst day. Yeah. And I guess you want to help people, but you know, you can help people and then not smell like a hospital. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I mean, there's people that have argued that I've helped them. 
I don't know if I agree with them, but you know, it's nobody on this call. No, no, no. no, I actually intentionally set out to make you all's life worse. Yeah. Well, you get a Chad, you you get a scorpion in the mail yet? (laughs) If not, he's going to be awful mad. I'm going to say, why do you think, why do you think I'm so jumping now? It's in my pants with my social security card. Yeah. (laughs) No, I told you that's in the wallet with the seven or eight credit cards that I got with it. I need my social security card, uh, listen. I'm sorry. I got, I, I'm, I'm waiting on that. I'm waiting on that black. I my real ID so I can get on one of them planes. My driver's license is done, went and ran out. I'm waiting on that black, uh, master club or <laughs> you know, what is it? Uh, dinner club, diner club. Do they still make diners? Oh, yeah. Uh, diners. Yeah. I almost said diners club. Diners club, diners, diners club, damn it. Diners club. It's Telly Savalas. <laughs> who loves they don't baby. know who that is. Well, they should. They should. should. So we're going to start talking about some of our favorite movies that take place in hospitals, even though there's really no sense of urgency in an actual real hospital, as I can tell. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot going on. It's one of the few places you can't rest because when do they do the tests? At night. Because because people aren't coming in during 3 a.m. to get your x uh, to get x-rays that's when the hospital doesn't sleep so that's when they do patients you don't get to sleep there's no rest it sucks right right well uh, james no i just nothing like going back to y'all's point early that nothing's comfortable there and and the longest I've spent in the hospital, thankfully, now I've I've had family members that have died, and I've had fa- and I've spent some time. In the they're hospital. not still in the hospital, are they? Well, their spirits are. Ooh. I'm sure there's probably a toe or two. Yeah, they didn't. Um, get it all. They didn't get it all. They moved. They moved their heads, toes, James, but they didn't move, they didn't move the bodies. <laughs> no, I. But the entire thing, like back to what you said earlier, uh, about the comfort, like. If there is any comfort in a hospital, it is aimed solely, and I would say limitedly, at the patient, right? Because mm-hmm. I can tell you, having been there for the birth of my children, as a father, they could care less if you live or die, which they should, by the way. Their focus needs to be on the person having the child. I get that. But I I, I do think it's funny where they that when when my uh eldest was born they said oh we'll put you in this room and they got us in a room and all that stuff and then they said normally we have this this chair that folds out into kind of not a real bed but you know something you could lay flat on and they said but this room doesn't have one yeah and they said so you know just sit in the chair all night so that's what i did i sat in the chair all night it was a good time um so I, I, it's one of the things I think it's funny though. You would think with the maternity ward, and you, you, because they made such a big deal about, you know, as a father, I need to hold the child, I need to have skin to skin contact, all that stuff that you hear yeah. about. But there is nothing in that room to make that an easy process. Mm-hmm. So, so, all right, what we got going on, guys? Who wants to go first with their favorite hospital movie? Even though we've already mentioned that we hate hospitals. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know if I you could say any of the movies I'm picking on are favorites, but I love that. There's some. I'll go like the movie that made an impact on me that dealt with hospital life uh, is. It is one of my favorite movies about a hospital. It's Article Ninety Nine. I really enjoy this movie, uh, and it hasn't a long time. And I haven't either, and I'm afraid that it hasn't. It doesn't hold up. But man, it had an amazing cast. Just, I mean. 
Ray Liotta, Kiefer Sutherland, Forrest Whitaker, Leah Thompson, John C. McGinley, John Mahoney, Keith David, Kathy Baker, Eli Wallach, Noble Willingham, Troy Evans. I could go on and on and on. I mean, it's that long of a list. It's just amazing actor after amazing actor. Um, and what it is, it's about these uh, these doctors who are working at a veterans hospital and how they have nothing like they do not have the supplies they need to take care of these people who fought for our country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see it from time and time again, the, the health care for soldiers and, and is not where it should be. You know, it's these people, they, they come back and they don't have the, the, the tools needed to take care of them after everything they've been through. And this movie really tackles it. I mean, you have Ray Liotta who, or I'm sorry, Ray Liotta, who's a seasoned veteran at the hospital, uh, a doctor who who's working with it. And then you have Kiefer Sutherland who's like right out of hot, right out of college. And he's dealing with the, you know, having to be put in this environment and he's not used to the, 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 the overall darkness of that environment. Um, I just love this movie. I, I, again, I haven't seen it in years, but it was one of those movies that was a frequent watch for me. So article nine, article 99 couldn't talk that I had to start my, my list off of that one. Okay. Well, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's really hard for me to talk about. Now, yeah, I mean, my, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Howard Deutsch, the, the guy did the great outdoors, pretty in pink and article 99. I mean, it, it's a definitely a, a, I mean, he's done other things obviously, but it was just a really huge leap from those, those types of movies to article 99. Yeah. Okay. So mine's, Mine's one we've talked on here, and I don't know. I think I'm going to get crap from you too about is this a hospital movie or not? Uh, I'm going to, Joe. Uh, I won't give you crap because a couple of mine may uh, probably don't fall into the the category of what you think we're going to be talking about. Well, as I say, I've got a, the ones I want to talk about are, are. I mean, they're hospitals, but they're very specific hospitals. So go ahead. <laughs> Session nine. I, that was one it on was my a, list because it was that is totally a, a hospital. It is it's a, now an asylum. It's a mental hospital. It was, and it's, it's a very real place, though most of it has been demolished now. Session 9 is directed by Brad Anderson. And Brad Anderson gets a lot of credit for a movie called The Machinist, which is not a bad film, but to me... So it, predictable. So it, it's very predictable and pales in comparison to the movie he made before called Session 9. Yeah. It stars David Caruso, <laughs> Paul Goyleful, uh Stephen, I can't say the last name, Stephen Gevenden, Josh Lucas, but what I, and Peter Mullen, who is but, a fantastic character actor, and if you don't know him, look him up, but, and Larry Fessenden, I forgot he was in it. What, real quick, so basically what it is, is there's this old mental hospital, and it's being basically demolished, and it has asbestos in it, and they've hired, <laughs> excuse me, a crew to go in when they are cleaning out the asbestos and the guy who runs the crew, who is played by Peter Mullen is a little overextended, needs to get this job kind of makes a, uh, what is he says it should take two or three weeks and they make a bid for one week. Right. Guys, right. Try yeah. to get him in the underbid of an old mental hospital. And there's a horrific past. And a couple of the people find some of the tapes originally from the past and start playing them about the different people with different multiple personalities. And this movie goes to a place, if you've never seen it, we've talked about it on Bonehead before several times. It's one of our favorite. I I never think of it as a hidden treasure, but I think it is a hidden treasure. Uh, It's one of our favorite hidden treasure films. 
because whereas the machinist is extremely predictable, I don't even think even after all this time, session nine's ending's predictable. No, it's not. It's not at all. It just it's a gut punch ending of you don't see it coming. That's not what you were thinking it was building up to. And it's just it's to me, it's right. And I was sad about this. It only has like a 6.4 rating on IMDb. And I don't understand why the movie is not a perfect film. There's only a couple of flaws. There's a couple of music notes in it that make no sense. But past that, to me, it's almost a perfect film. It is so well acted. It's so well done. It's just a low budget movie. And where was it shot, James? Do you remember? It's in Canada. No, I don't. It's a famous mental institution that actually doesn't yeah. exist anymore. James yeah, they, there's two or three buildings that are left that are, are because they're historic, but the rest of it was demolished. But they kept one or two buildings because they are they're on the national or well, whatever the Canadian National Registry is or whatever. Right. Um. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, and it really was what they talk about in the movie that it was kind of ended up by the time they built it out because they kept building on the actual history. Yeah. Because they needed more and more places to put people as they diagnosed more and more people with mental illness. It's Denver State inside. Yeah, it's Denver State Hospital. Sorry. And that's, um, in, if that's in Canada. I thought that was somewhere. I thought that was somewhere here. I think it's in Canada. Okay. But, um, but the, but yeah, so it ends up being a, um, it's in Massachusetts, by the way. Um, that's what I said is in Canada. Because they, the, it's, uh, the majority of the buildings were demolished in 2007, but there are some remaining buildings. Um, but the uh, it got so crowded in route. The real story is it got so crowded that they had to start putting people just in the basement. And the basement was not set up for patients. It was set up for storage on a good day. And um, the uh, like a lot of the stuff you see, so it dates back to the 1800s, the 18, uh, I think 1870s is when it first opened, and they just kept building it out. And so there's a line in the movie that if you would have been able historically to fly above it, it would have looked like a bat where it expanded out. So, and then they dropped wings down. Um, also, really quick, Danvers State Hospital was built on a actual glacial drumlin named Hawthorne Hill. And the hill got its name from its original order, Judge John Hawthorne. And if that name sounds familiar, Salem Witch Trials. Yep. Um, and it actually is believed that Lovecraft based the Arkham Asylum that he refers to in some of his work on Danvers. Yeah, it was built in 1874. Okay. All right. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. So there you go. It's just a creepy, creepy place. Uh, but that was very much real. And the actual history, if you're a fan of the podcast uh, or the uh, uh, lore, the entire sixth episode of, of the podcast is dedicated to Danvers, and it's about the uh, echoes that people alleged happened there. Yeah, and even a couple of the actors, David Caruso has said he saw something, and so did Peter Mullen. They both think they saw something while they were there, and he said there's a lot of strange happenings. But it's also an old condemned building that they were only able to shoot in certain part, parts. In fact, very few things are added added to most of the rooms. That's actually what the building looked like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else about that? Who's next? I forgot. Me. You know, I'm going to talk about one. I've only, I've only encountered the book, but there is a movie now. 
and the movie won some awards. So I'm going to talk about it, and I'll you so you watch the movie, you don't have to read the book. But to me, because this is a true story. Now the movie is based on a true story, but the book is is documentary or is is I guess biographical. Um. The creepiest thing about hospitals to me, anytime I have a procedure done, right? Anytime I have anything done where they have to put me under, where they have mm-hmm. to, what if they screw up the dose? What if X? What if Y? What if Z? Right? Um, and so there's a book called The Good Nurse, A True Story of Medicine, Madness, and Murder. And it's about this guy who is a nurse, has been pretty successful as a nurse, but spoiler alert, he's been killing people. Pretty, pretty constantly. Well, the movie came out last year. Uh, stars uh, Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Um, Netflix, it's on Netflix now, and it's it got nominated for several awards. Eddie Redmayne was nominated for a Golden Globe at uh, and a Greater Western New York Film Critic Association Award. Jessica Chastain nominated for a Satellite Award and Best Supporting Actor, etc. British Film Awards. All of us got nominated. Um, but the story itself is really creepy because it's one of those things that, you know, these patients were sick. So, and they were sick enough to where it wasn't overly shocking that they died, but it's not until another nurse starts to notice that, hey, you know, it looks like somebody administered insulin to this patient who didn't need insulin, that that would have caused a catastrophic issue for that patient because they do not need that medication. And that's what actually happened in the story. And, and there's there's a small subgenre if you like true crime. There's a small subgenre. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of this other work, but um, my wife read it when she was taking her courses in masters in health admin, and it was all about a similar case where this guy was a doctor, but he he worked out all the time. Like they would catch him on when he was taking his breaks, he'd run the stairs of the hospital to keep in shape. And they later realized he was killing anybody that he didn't think was in good physical condition. And I'm like, I would have been that I would have been dead day one. <laughs> uh, so I think stories like that. And so again, you can look at the movie The Good Nurse. It's on Netflix. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, Jessica Chastain, good cast, award winning, et cetera, et cetera, solid ratings. But it's based on a true story. And I think that's one of the things that, you know. Obviously, most people that go into medicine aren't that way. But the fact there are a few that are, it's probably enough. And so if you want to be truly creeped out by, again, something that actually happened, dramatized for the film a little bit, but check out The Good Nurse. The book, by the way, if you're really interested in that, is once again, The Good Nurse, The True Story of Medicine, Madness, and Murder. But the the Netflix uh, movie based on it is The Good Nurse. All right. Who's up next? I'll go. Um so my next one is again it's it's not a perfect movie uh but there are really good elements to it Uh, i'm going to talk about the singing detective yeah the singing detective i've actually you know what i think i've only ever seen parts of the original british version yeah it is uh it is currently streaming on paramount plus if you're interested um it uh it's directed by keith gordon yep yeah um, and if you don't know who Keith Gordon is, he was actually the the main actor in Christine, but he's had a, a pretty successful uh, directing career, um, you know, for for the longest time. He directed a lot of episodes of, of Dexter. Um, 
and uh, various other things. Uh, but The Singing Detective, it stars Robert Downey. Again, listen to this cast. Robert Downey Jr., Robin Wright, uh, Jeremy Northrum, Katie Holmes, Adrian Bo- Bode, Brody. Uh, of course, any movie with Carla Gugino, I will watch. Over and over again. Um, John, Pol- the the late, great John Polito, uh, Sal Rubinek, Alfred Woodard, um, and Eddie Jones. And the list, could, again, I could keep going. I won't go keep going. Um, but it is an amazing cast. And what it is, is Robert Downey Jr. plays this uh, writer of sleazy uh, uh, dime store crime novels, uh, Dan Dark. And he has this terrible skin condition that has basically crippled him. And it's him being in the hospital um, and, you know, all these people working on him, trying to figure out what's going on with him and they can't and he's angry and he he's he's been in the hospital so long with all this, this terrible pain that he starts to have delusions of people from of being in his book and people from the book being in the hospital with him. And then finally they give up and they make him talk to a psychiatrist who, by the way, if you I it didn't dawn on me till midway through the film that it was Mel Gibson. Uh he he does not look like Mel Gibson in really? this movie. Yeah, he uh he's bald. No, I know he does. I've seen it, but I was just I, oh. I did not realize it was Mel Gibson until I start until I what made me say oh shit that's Mel Gibson is I looked at his eyes and and the gruffness of his voice and said that is Mel Gibson. I did not realize it until midway through. Um <clears throat> because it doesn't start out with a, a uh, it, it, I think it did. I just didn't pay attention to it. It has a list of all the people in the movie, uh, and I just didn't read it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a, it, Robert Downey Jr. Again, it's just one of those things. He carries the movie. He does. His performance is astounding, um, but the plot itself is a little. It, it's all over the place. There's, it's you could tell it's kind of cheaply done, but again, it shows a lot of those elements of a hospital that. If you've been in a hospital experience, it's a bunch of a bunch of doctors looking over you. They kind of treat you like a non-entity. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're you're just there for them to figure out what's wrong with you, and that's it. Um, I'm not saying that's every doctor. I have had some good doctors in hospitals, but I also have had ones that act like this in this movie. Um <clears throat> and uh, you know, it's just it you a little bit of it is the day-to-day work on this one man who is so terribly sick. The nurses taking care of him and the doctors who just, you know, are there to do a job and that's all they're there to do. Yeah. So the singing detective, I, and uh, it's again, it's streaming on Paramount Plus. I think it's worth a watch. It's interesting just to see Robert Downey Jr. in, in his performance and Mel Gibson not look like Mel Gibson. And then, and of, one- course, and, of, and of course, Carla Gugino. Yeah. Well, that's the number one reason. The one yes. I'm going to pick actually is is streaming on Hulu, and this never really made it to theaters. This was one of those HBO films that's directed by the same guy that gave you not only Jaws the Revenge, Joseph Sargent, but also the original taking of Pelham 123. But later in his life, he directed a shit ton of HBO movies, and this one's called Something the Lord Made. It came out in 2004, starring two fantastic actors, one of them, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. He's the bad guy in a little movie called Die Hard. You ever see Die Hard? 
No, but I've heard uh, I've heard they should have got the guy that played uh, that professor from Harry Potter in that movie. He would have yeah, been good. That's the guy. That's the guy, Alan Rickman, <laughs> most deaf. Although I'm not supposed to call him most deaf anymore. It's Yazin Bay. Yazin Bay, I think is how you Yazin Bay. Okay. Also, it's got Gabriel Union, Charles S. Dutton, one of Chad's favorite character actors. Oh man, I love Charles S. Dutton. I really do. Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> have either one of you ever heard of this? Yeah, I have. Have you seen it? I have not, but I, I know the story. I know the, um, so, uh, you know, uh, sure. That's basically the, Hey, we shouldn't let this. It's basically about racism. Right? It, I mean, it's about, it's about two things. It's about yeah. racism and the fact that these are the first doctors to do bypass surgery. So yeah. they were having these, what they called blue babies. And it was babies, you know, not getting enough oxygen with heart issues. And the part of the movie that they leave out on when they finally do successfully spoiler alert, work on bypass surgeries for babies that particular baby only lived to be in i think another three months and they learned that you really at the time it was best to do the procedure on three-year-old plus and that being said the interesting part about this is that uh, dr blaylock played by alan rickman alfred blaylock was actually a cardiologist and he was like most of them arrogant and he worked at Vanderbilt, and he left Vanderbilt for John Hawkins University, and he took his lab technician with him, Vivian Thomas, who's played by uh, Mos Def, who's now, I'm sorry about the name. Yazin, Yazin Bay, but I, I still, I, I know he wants to be called that, but man, I just, I still Mama say Mama called Def. him Mos Def, I'm going to call him Mos Def. Yeah. Anyway. But the thing is, is he was an African-American without a college. Not only, James, you're talking about the fact that we were dealing with Jim Crow and all those issues. He was an African-American who didn't have a college degree. He was a gifted mechanic and a toolmaker with hands that helped him with surgery. And it was in 1941 that they invented the bypass surgery. And they did it on dogs. And one of the really heartbreaking scenes in this, that they they did it on a dog and they come back. And most deaf, is, it didn't work, of course, because they have to learn. And most deaf is just cradling the dog. And it was just, it stuck in my mind. What, 17 years later, 18 years later? It is a bit of a TV movie. It was an HBO film. But it has a fantastic story, some, one that I didn't know of, about Vivian Thomas. was very interesting of, of how this man come to be in the employ of this brilliant surgeon and basically help him do surgery. And he never went to medical school. Yeah, I've always wanted to watch it. I know it's on HBO Max. I just have never got. Yeah, it's also on it. HBO. I could have just said it's on HBO Max, but I was like, yeah. that's also blah 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 blah. Yeah. And what really helps the movie is the fact of these two people, right? I mean, if it wasn't Alan Rickman and most deaf, I, yeah, it, it's not a hospital film, but there's something about certain actors encountering one another that makes certain things work. And it's uh, the example I'll give. Not a hospital movie is uh, Sunset Limited. I can sit down and watch Tommy Lee Jones and Sunset Limited again. No, it's, it's, I love it. I watched it again a while back. I wish I could get it on DVD, though it's out of print. Yeah. I didn't know it was out of print. Yeah, if you find it, let me know. I'll, I'll buy it. But uh, no, I love it. it I'm is. sorry. I couldn't get you that one actor that you like autograph or anything else. No, no. I was just saying Sunset Why Limited. Why don't you stop yelling at me? Certain certain actors encountering one another are, are just epic. Is it me now? Are we done? Are yeah, we, I'm waiting on you. You've been waiting for now. I want to talk about what I haven't seen, but I want to see because of the cast. Well, how do you know you'll like it? I don't know I'll like it. You I want to see it. You don't know that you'd it. like it until you but, tried it, and you reckon you wouldn't try it because you yeah. reckon you wouldn't like it. Yes, exactly. No, 
I I like to go back and find Joe. You talk about this, the obscure movies that sometimes every Blue Moon AMC or somebody Turner yeah. Classic Movies will show at three a.m. in the morning. Yeah, and that's how I got to see originally in God We Trust with um, mm-hmm. that one guy, that Marty one guy, Feldman. and, and uh, Marty Feldman and and it's uh, great Andy guy. Kaufman, Andy Kaufman, Richard Pryor, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. This is what I have. You seen I, a movie? That's uh, a couple, uh, but this is what I want to see that way, I haven't when, got to whenever, see. Whenever we're back together, are we gonna we we we're gonna watch Heart Leaps, right? Heart is that what we called? should. We should. Andy Kaufman. Is, I've is, never seen it. I want to watch it with you guys. Well, here's one. Uh, maybe you all have seen this one. I didn't hear Joe. What'd you say? I said he and Bernadette Peters. Yes. yes. Which we uh, all loved her other movie. She's gonna be in Ashland, by the way, in a few weeks. No shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I, who wants to go? Me? Well, well, buy me ticket. Since you got a security card. <laughs> uh, James. But but this is evidently a, a hospital movie that I hadn't seen. So when we were doing research loosely on this topic, I saw this and I'm like, why have I never seen this? And then I looked up a review. And the review basically says if you, I'll just quote it. The language is profane. Prof, it's profane. It's also profane. Uh, it's proceeding to name and the story insane. If you hate doctors, Mexicans, homosexuals, black, females, Catholic, Jews, it goes on. Evidently, there's a lot of stereotypes in this movie. But I read that review, and then I flipped over, and I'm like, is it really that bad? And I read this review that says, in this classic hospital farce, a greedy, crooked hospital administrator who has perfected the art of bill padding, unnecessary surgery, and kickbacks... Is so mistrusted by patients and resentment advisor staff, his assistant Alice can no longer endure his scams and plots to have him sent to prison. Peter Sellers is Albert T. Hopfnagel in Where Does It Hurt? It stars him, Pat Morita, which we all know every movie Pat Morita's in is a classic, as Chad showed us a, a, a little while back. All I can say is you forgot to mention Bernadette Peters is also in Slapstick of Another Kind, because I was going to mention it. Pat Morita, Harold Gould, Rick Lenz, Joanne Flug, Flug, anyway, and Peter Sellers came out in 1972, also based on a novel, but it's all about corrupt hospital administrators, and and it's a parody of all they can get away with. Um, so the yeah yeah, I, I've never seen it though, and I usually Peter Sellers is watchable. I don't love everything he did. Some of it's not great, but he's watchable. But I'd never heard of Where Does It Hurt. And by the way, it's not streaming anywhere I can find. That should be on YouTube somewhere. Maybe. I didn't check YouTube. I try to, I, I, I'd like to, you know. Um, now, we will pay. Yes, I agree with you. We will pay. We Boy, do we pay. Every day. Every day. You're right. It's, well, there's an hour and 25 minute cut of it that's, that's on YouTube. But then from, you lose a whole gestalt. Which evidently is by somebody that may not be in America, but you know, whatever. Um but yeah, okay. All right. Who's next? Come on. Oh, that's me. So uh, you know, Joe, you talked about session. Remember I told you I had one that's not necessarily a hospital film. Uh this is mine. And I think this is one that neither one of you have seen. And I'm sorry if I got this wrong. And I'm still amazed that neither one of you have seen this as Jane walks away. <clears throat> Um, I want to talk about the ninth configuration. As I've seen it, I watched it last year. 
Oh, after I told you to watch it? Yeah, I watched it. It finally showed up on one of the one of the thing one of the streaming ones. I think I might have watched it on Shutter. Yeah, I I liked it. It is. I'm glad you brought it up because my next one's not really that obscure. The yeah. last one was, and the ninth configuration. I'm sorry, I talk about it. Go ahead, Chad. No, you James. Have, James, have you seen Ninth Configuration? I don't think so. James, you should got to see it. It's so it's, damn weird. It shouldn't yeah. exist. It's written and directed by William Peter Blatty. Mm -hmm. uh, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's his only film that he wrote and directed. Is that right? Or did he direct Exorcist The Exorcist? Three. He wrote and directed both of those? No. He, both he, of he wrote he direct, wrote and directed Exorcist three. 3. Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it it's a weird movie. It like Joe's, Even the poster itself is weird. It's Jesus on a cross, and it's a man in a, a space outfit with the American flag looking up at him. It is bizarre. Um, it stars Stacy Keach, Scott Wilson, Jason Miller, Ed Flanders, George DeCenzo, Neville Brown. I mean, Moses Gunn. It's a lot of people. Robert Loggia. It's, it's a, a lot murderer's of people, bro of like, character actors. Yeah, it's it's a, yes. It's, they're all and they're and, all good. It, it it basically it's this a for a, a marine arrives at a at a mental asylum hospital in a weird in a castle in a very strange castle for some reason and uh his version of taking care of these people is to let them act however they want to and will eventually make them sane yeah and it it is and that is a very very loose description of what this movie is but you're not inaccurate yeah i'm not inaccurate it's no. it's 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 uh, i i it's just you it's one of those you have to see in order to 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 just get the full experience of it and not know it going in and i i've been I've, i recommended it for years uh i think i talked to james about it a little bit i've been getting trying to get joe to watch it for years it just I has not been available year. i thought we talked about it. i watched it last year we it, probably did and i forgot but i've been trying for years to for get a time, to for a long time chad you're right it wasn't actually available it's one yeah, of i i i films. my one of uh, you know honestly we won't go into the, the but but the only real friend I ever had until you fuckers uh, was my friend in high school. Are and you he, his friend? It, oh, I was Who are about, you people? I, I was talking about Phil. Oh, yeah. Well, we all know the story there. <laughs> um, no, uh, I don't no, actually. I don't know the story. But um, but uh, anyway, um, so uh, yeah, he he would always introduce me to these weird movies, and he. Gave me a really bad VHS copy of the ninth configuration that he got from a bootleg rental store uh, in a in a in a local town, and I watched it and I was just amazed at how weird this movie was. And then after that, I could not find it for years. I actually forgot the title, um, and until the internet, I could not figure out what the movie was called. Um, and luckily, I remembered it. And then finally, when streaming services became popular, it started popping up, and I revisited it. And yeah, it is still a uh, it is a, it is a, I, it's just a weird movie in, in the fact it's so beautifully done and it's dealing with all these people in this mental hospital. Also too, I got to mention, um, Richard Lynch is in it too. Yeah. In a weird performance. Again, I just cannot pronounce James. If we ever get together and it's available, we will watch it with you. Just it's to see on something. I can't remember. Yeah. It's been, uh, if anything, it's on Tubi. It might be, it actually was on for a while it was on shutter and it shouldn't be it's not a horror film it was missold as a horror film yeah no it's not it's a drama 
because one of the act, the one of the roles, Chad. I don't know if you know this or not. That's actually the astronaut. One of the the astronaut that's in there. Yeah, that's Scott Wilson. Ast- yeah, but that's the same astronaut that Reagan says you're going to die up there in The Exorcist. That's the continuation of his story. Oh no shit. Yeah, that's the reason William Peter, Peter Blatty wrote the next thing, and it's not. It's it. They, it, you know, people were wanting a sequel to The Exorcist, which he eventually did, called Legion, the book Legion. And Legion, if you don't know what that is, that's Exorcist Three. Exorcist Three, which William Peter Blatty did write and direct, is based on his novel Legion, which was the sequel. And it's a pretty damn close sequel to the book. I mean, it's pretty pretty close at well, yeah. Changes a little bit, but not a lot. Well, in the Ninth Configuration, it's from a novel by William Peter Blatty called Twinkle Twinkle. Twinkle, yeah. twinkle, killer cane. Yeah. And um, it, it just, I, I need to read the book. I, I've never read the book. So. I really do too, to see if it's a batshit crazy as the movie. It is just batshit crazy. And Jason Miller is fantastic in that. Jason Miller is um, Jason Patrick's dad. I don't even think most people know that. I honestly did not know that. Yeah. But now you look at him and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. He, I watched an interview with Jason Patrick and Keanu Reeves, not Keanu Reeves, shit. Who's the other bet? <laughs> Damn it. Why can't I think of Donald Sutherland's son? Kiefer. Oh, Kiefer. 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 Would son. it help if I started doing my impersonation of him from Dark City? No. 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 Because I've listened to it since Dark City came out. I also forgot to mention Tom Atkins is in this as well. Yeah. They're all in it, and there's some. It's just they're all batshit crazy. Yeah. So is Stacey Keach, who plays yeah. guy. Oh, don't. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They're all batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, it's so weird and so odd, but it's so compelling because the acting is so great uh-huh. that I kind of. It's a movie. There's a movie called Shutter Island, that yeah. is not necessarily the same plot. But kind of weird in the I, I prefer the ninth configuration. I configure, yeah, I prefer the, the ninth Shutter configuration. The Shutter Island is so damn predictable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it yeah, everything and yeah, no, ninth configuration, yeah, no, you don't see anything coming on that one. Just because yeah. it's so jacked up. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. all right. Mine is going to be a little bit more on the nose. I don't mean for it to be so much on the nose, but it a little bit of the history. Once again, a murderer's role of character actors, and this went on the win Best Picture. It's based on a novel by Ken Kesey, I think. Kesey. Uh, Jack Nicholson and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, it, once again, you, the three of us have done a lot of talking about mental health institutions, which yeah. we've not spent a lot of time in, more than we have kind of just basic hospitals. Why well, Have you guys started to analyze I mean, that? I'm willing to talk about it on air. Oh, well, anyway, when was the last time you guys watched uh, over the one that flew over the cuckoo's nest? Uh, a few years ago. And? I mean, I, dude, I still love it. I mean, yeah. But... I watched that and Amadeus, and it, as, a, as a young man, Amadeus was my favorite Milos Forman film. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like one, one and that's over the cuckoo's nest. Now, you know what my favorite Milos Forman film is. Uh, I think the people versus Larry Flint. Larry Flint, yeah, pretty damn. Man on the Moon. No, yeah. I always think the Man on the Moon has a fantastic cast, like great acting, but it looks like a TV movie. It just—it's something about it's not cinematic. I don't no. know. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, I agree. 
But no, one who one flew over cuckoo's this man. I love it. And by God, Louise Fletcher, I'm sure she's the nicest lady you'll ever be with. But God, I hate her. She won a best actor for Miss Ratchet. This In and- all fairness, though, there she is probably one of those people that it's almost like Christopher Walken, right? They play bad so well. Yeah. Because the other role that she's majorly known for is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And she her character aren't there. I'm sorry, guys. Like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Deep Space Nine, and Flowers in the Attic made me hate this woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, honestly. She that, is so vile. Her Star Trek line, anytime she says, my child, on Deep Space Nine, that's basically her calling you every name in the book. Yes. But oh. Louise Fletcher is so good in that too. Yes, no, one of the I best mean, villains in that show. Of course, people we've said it on here before. Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek. Same here. Series. Do you know what, Chad? I'm going back and forth, man. Damn, I love the People versus the Plants. <laughs> no, dude, man, it's my it's my favorite Milos Forman film. Oh, I just love it. God, this yeah, because it's almost the same plot as Ed Wood. It's written by the same people who gave us Ed Wood. Yeah. Larry uh, Kuziski, uh, I can't say his name, and the other one. Anyway, oh, I, I, real quick, back on on Louise Louis Louise Fletcher. Fletcher uh, <laughs> other than other than Russell Crowe, damn, she's a bitch in Virtuosity, and I love. Her. I haven't I haven't watched Virtuosity. Oh, I oh. was talking about Virtuosity with somebody the other day, just because I love that line. I love the line. Are you upset because I'm carrying around the joy of killing your family inside me? That's a great line. Oh, God. Russell Crowe and Louise Fletcher are awesome in that movie, but it's such a bad movie. Nobody remembers that movie. I, I've got it on DVD. <laughs> I, I'm sure you do. But anyway, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. For a long time, it's actually produced by Michael Douglas. Yeah. And Michael Douglas wasn't in the movie. But his dad, Kirk Douglas, had wanted to do the book for years and wanted to play McCready, right? And then by the time... You mean son, Murphy? That's what I said, Murphy. And by the time he got... Sorry, I'm thinking of The Thing, which is the best hospital movie ever made. <laughs> it's the best movie to watch in a hospital. Especially when they're doing Cold Blue and run out with those zoots. Yep. So, and by the time they got the movie made, Kirk Douglas was a little too old to be Murphy. And his son cut him out. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. He made the right choice. Right? Right, yeah. No, Better he... than Jack Nicholson. I just... Yeah, and no. He... Uh, Kirk Douglas could not have done what Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson did in that movie. Did. No, he's a different actor. It was just not the right role for him. It's a different time. Different movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So why Steve McQueen couldn't do that role either. Sorry, I've been reading a lot of stuff about Steve McQueen. All right. Are you ready to do your movie? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because it needs it needs lively, or it leads nicely, if you will, mm-hmm. into the one I want to talk about. Which, I'm again, I'm going to talk about a book, but it was made into a movie. Roger Corman made it into a movie, but I happen to have the book, which I went a second ago and got off my shelf. I never promised you a Rose Garden. Another, another mental hospital book, and, and later made into a movie. The book's better. No offense meant to B.B. Anderson and everybody that works on the book, but... That is one of the shittiest book covers I think I've ever it seen. It is. It is. Um, 
But if you read this, it's well, it's that's on several of the lists, by the way. I've never seen it, nor have I read it. But it is on several of the. Oh hospitals. my god! If you want to talk about this, is a horror movie. If you made it now, people would think yeah. it's a horror movie. Horror movie. A horror movie. Horror. A, terror them, picture, James. One of them terror scare yeah. movie. Scare movie. Um, because it actually details what, and if you read, really, it's fine print here. But when it first came out, it was published by, or the author was Hannah Green. That's because Joanne Greenberg is who really wrote it. She is who it actually happened to. It's autobiographical, semi autobiographical. She uh, changed some things because she didn't want to name actual names, et cetera, et cetera. But she was diagnosed with undetermined schizophrenia, which used to be a catch-all term for crazy. And what happened was, uh, and I haven't read the book in a while, but um, she, basically, her father was not great. Um, You don't get the full details of what he did or didn't do, but she wrote poetry and he would destroy it and all that. So she made up this language and then she started to talk to these people that weren't there in this language. And so they diagnosed her with undetermined un, un, uh, schizophrenia. But what makes this book fascinating is how the hospital treats her. Because the way they used to treat people, it's almost, it sounds like it's from House on Hill, the remake, where that line, what will drive a sane man insane will drive an insane man sane. It's dangerously close to that. They would wrap her in uh, sheets. It's on Tubi, by the way. And hold her underwater till she started to freeze. Until basically they wait till hypothermia started to kick in because you can't panic, you can't fight people when you're becoming hypothermic. That's so that was the actual treatment. Yeah, and that so was right, yeah. It it talks a lot about the actual treatments she had. And by the way, she was 16 when they did this to her. Um, and they do now. She eventually does get a psychologist in the book. It's called Doctor Freed. If you look up the actual story, she has went since went on to name what who the actual doctor was but it was a female psychiatrist who at the time was kind of looked down upon by all the men <laughs> um but to talk to her and figure out what it was and got her to come out effectively of this of this fake world that she created um and and the book ends with her they're weighing her to see if she's healthy and one of the last lines she has in the book is that she's at full weight in other words she's back in her own world or she's back in our world um, but the book is fascinating as a hospital conversation. I don't know much about the movie. I'll be honest. Don't remember the movie, but the book is fascinating because it shows you despite all these terrible things that I said about how much I hate hospitals, about how much better they are now for people with mental health issues than they were about 40 years ago. Cause this 50, 60 years ago now, this is utterly terrifying to read. All the treatments, all the shock therapy, all the, we're going to give you hypothermia because that'll calm you down. Yeah. yeah, it will. It's terrifying. And so it, you bring up One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, actually, because I was like, I got to bring up One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest so I can talk about this. You did it for me. But if you are, if you like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I would honestly say, no offense meant to Roger Corman, uh, the movie was a cheap movie. The book, though, is utterly, and the fact that you find out it's true, uh, since, she, again, originally it was published as fiction, and then she did come out and say, and that's why it, most copies now say Joanne Greenberg writing as Hannah Green. So some of it was fictionalized, change of names and stuff, but it was mm-hmm. actually what she went through. 
terrifying stuff. Well, there's a friend of mine who, and this happened in the '60s when, and I won't say who, but when he, one of his his ex-wife had the kids, you know, she had postpartum, and he talked about some of the hospitalization and stuff that they did to her. It was just, it's just awful. He didn't understand it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anybody got any honorable mentions? Um, I do. Um, so it was either, uh, so when I was talking about hospital movies and I was like, okay, I'm going to do one mental hospital. Uh, it was between the ninth configuration, which was my obvious pick. And then this one, which was a close second, the jacket. Oh, really? Yeah. Adrian Brody. It has been a long time since I've seen that. It's still good. I watched it. I watched it about two months ago, hmm. but it's a, yeah, it's this, uh, they just, he has a, he gets, he's already has PTSD from being in the army. He there's uh he's convicted for a crime that he didn't commit. And uh, he has head, he has a head trauma and he gets thrown in this mental hospital and they just absolutely destroy him. And they put him into a, a, a weird experiment of putting him in a straight jacket and shoving him into a, very confined space and it allows him to time travel. Yeah. Very, very weird premise for a movie, but really good. And Adrian Brody who, you know, yeah, any, he, he's a great actor who I don't think gets the credit that he is just because he's made some really bad decisions. Um, so yeah, Adrian Brody, uh, the jacket, that's my honorable mention. I've got one honorable mention, not a movie television show. But I'm going to bring it up because it's sitting at 7.4, pretty good rating for a TV show, out of 10 on IMDb. And to put that in perspective, um, yeah, that word that I can't say, perspective. In perspective, uh, James. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Um, you know, that's really high. I mean, that's for a show as far as general view that's pretty high um this show only lasted one season it's and firefly lasted one season people still talk about firefly but i don't think most people even remember this show science fiction show that asks the ever important question if we ever actually go to space we're going to need space hospitals the show's mercy point starring joe morton maria del mar and alexandra wilson Quick summary, across the Sahardic divide from the 23rd century, Earth is the Jericho colony and its port of entry hospital space station is Mercy Point. Staffed by human, alien, and artificial medical personnel, Mercy Point provides desperately needed health care for the colony and any ship that passes through the system. Never heard of it. No, and I'm shocked. I think I've kind of heard of it. If It's one of those things just like in your head of, did I hear that? Well, and what's funny is I, a couple of years ago, Maybe more than a couple now because I'm getting old. But Disney did a kid show about superhero doctors. And it was, you know, like some of their teen actors were supposed to be the doctors that had to take care of. And it lasted a season or two. My kids watched a couple episodes. I, but when that came out, I was like, ah, well, there's this other show and it's a space station hospital. And I couldn't remember the name of it. Mm -hmm. And it was Mercy Point. And I only remember vaguely an episode or two of this show. But Doing this topic made me go back and actually say, I've got to find that show because I've got to mention it because I do think it's fascinating that, you know, whatever your topic is, whatever your timeline, like maybe, gentlemen, we need to sit down and write the first uh, um, uh, fantasy hospital. We got to get these, uh, these, uh, these hobbits need some, uh, 
uh, steroids. They, they need some of these steroids. I can. I know we got a whole wing for the ints. <laughs> yeah, human growth ha- hormones for these uh, hobbitses. Hobbitses. Bilbo, you got to lay off the second breakfast. You're gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> anyway, that's not been done yet. But otherwise, every other type of hospital, superior hospital, sci-fi hospital, it's all been done. And so if you, if any of our listeners steal my uh, fantasy hospital idea, that's fine. Uh, I want a quarter of whatever you get. It, you, not much. I don't want to write it because I'm not smart enough. But you just let me, give me my percentage and I'll keep my mouth shut. All right. Well, I'll shut up and chew my gum. Throwback to when we weren't on the TV show. This has been Bonehead Weekly. Thank you so much for talking about hospitals. If you have anything to add, shut the hell up. Horse pistols. Grrrr. <sniffs>